Hello, gardeners, farmers, compost enthusiasts, and growers. Welcome to The Healthy Garden, the show where soil is important and growing a healthier world is job one. I don't even know where to start. I guess I'll start with this. Welcome to The Healthy Garden Podcast number 33, Recession Gardening. The world has been flipped upside down by a pandemic and in the U.S. this week by civil unrest. As if the weight of the coronavirus wasn't enough, the shutdown of every economy in the world and now the stripping away of personal freedoms through lockdowns, closures, quarantines, and arbitrary state mandates and rules that go 100% against constitutional law and the rights of free people. The ruling class has been shown time after time to be disobeying their own autocratic rulings and been out on the town or traveling or doing all types of activities that they deemed unsafe, illegal, and wrong. The shaming that has been placed on the average citizen by the buffoons that we've elected to power and the Gestapo that runs social media and the free media is unthinkable to me. There is no freedom of speech any longer. As long as we allow giant tech companies, big chemical, big ag, big food, and big gov to control us. We may think that we are able to speak our minds freely, but that is just the sleight of hand of the true powers that be on this planet. In reality, they have no power at all in the big picture. But in the little time, money, false freedom, false government, false media, false farming, and false industrial continuum that we are living under in this highly secularized paradigm, they have all the power if we let them. So don't. I'm not embarrassed by my belief in God, but big tech and big government want me to be. I'm not embarrassed by my God-given right of free speech and free thought, which also allows me to have free will to believe in God or not. And I believe it's my right. I speak on this program to you to share my point of view as a farmer, a gardener, a compost maker, a businessman, a human being, a father, a friend, a community member, a husband, and also a spiritual being. I am not limited to the rules and regulations or the influencers of the day and what they fancy and what they don't. I can give a crap about Hollywood, politicians, billionaires, or any of the idiots on the so-called news. I just came home from a week on the farm in Oregon. I was happy to see that things were starting to reopen and that people were coming out of their homes and to live again. I've been posting on my social media pages the things that I've been doing to show how I am living life. And I'm living life in faith and not in fear of anything. I live my truth. I'm hoping to give others hope to do the same. Now we are about to get a bigger clampdown as the result of the rioting and looting and criminal behavior that so many have shown us while trying to hijack the term protest. A transitive verb meaning to make a statement or gesture in objection to, as in protested, the abuses of human rights. I believe in protesting 100%. 
I believe in peaceful protest when it comes to the streets and active protest when it comes to the tongue, the pen, and the wallet. As I have told all of you more than once, growing healthy food at home is a form of protest. Saying with your spending habits that I will not support this or that company because they are harmful is a protest. Burning people's businesses down, taking away the ability of a community to buy food or hold jobs is tantamount to killing their livelihood and is not a protest against the perpetrator or the institution. It is an insult to the intelligence and the heart of all mankind. It is the lowest form of dissent and one which I do not and cannot on any level as a community member neighbor, friend, citizen, father, husband, farmer, business owner, or Christian agree with or will submit to. We are now going to find ourselves falling into a deeper recession, a bigger hole, and one that in my belief will cause much greater damage to the people, the planet, and the animals that inhabit this earth. We are no longer in the state of victory gardening because there is no victory to be had over lockdown and torching the lives of the innocent. The way George Floyd died was wrong, no matter what the cause, the circumstance, the situation. Wrong. Plain and simple. But we must let the court system take it from here or we are sliding down a very slippery slope. That's all I'm going to say regarding what happened in Minneapolis, other than God's judgment on Derek Chauvin, it will be much harsher than any judgment that man can render. The world will not reopen now as we had all hoped because of what happened this past week. The food shortages and economic collapse will deepen. How will you feed your family? How are the looters going to feed their families? How is George Floyd's family going to feed themselves? How is this country going to feed itself if we continue the clampdown, the lockdown, the insanity that is prevailing over common sense and decency today? Stay with us to find out how to protect your family from the shortages that are coming from the recession that is deepening and widening with every single day. It's Norma, biological farmer and producer of the Healthy Garden Podcast. Do you ever walk by what most people call weeds and wonder what that plant is, what its uses are, and if they're edible? I have, and many years ago, I took various foraging walks with groups of people around my city and mountains and learned that so many quote-unquote weeds were edible. So I dove in deeper and got a great book called Free Food and Medicine by Marcus Rothkranz. 
He and his products are a world of health and knowledge that we all need, and this worldwide edible plant guide has over 2,500 beautiful photos of edible plants and medicinal plants that you can find in your own backyard. The greatest thing about these weeds is that they have very deep tap roots that can access very deep and needed nutrients that we don't get from our usual veggies. You can find his book, Free Food and Medicine, at HealAnything.com. There is so much comfort in knowing that if it ever gets really bad, it's off to the hills we go. What is a recession? For Merriam-Webster, a recession is a noun defined as a period of reduced economic activity. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for the world in 2020? Economists are predicting that the effects of the coronavirus pandemic, businesses being shut down, and millions of workers staying at home will cause U.S. GDP to decline for at least the first two quarters of 2020. At that point, after a prolonged period of GDP decline, then the economy would have technically entered into a recession. We're already in a recession, guys. If that is the case, the impending recession will come after a period of expansion for the economy that has lasted over a decade, 126 months of growth as of December. Now stopped. 36 million Americans have filed for unemployment benefits, which is about 20% of the overall workforce. Goldman and Sachs is projecting that the U.S. unemployment could hit 15% by mid-year. And that's after we were supposed to be starting back up. The last recession in the U.S., which was the Great Recession, was December 2007 through June of 2009. And it was a tough one. I lived in it. I, I know I had a lot of things happen in that recession. The GDP fell 4.3% and the unemployment rate hit 10%. So get this, we're talking double that and worse on the GDP. That recession required massive government stimulus to turn the economy around, including a $700 billion bailout for the financial industry, along with insurance and automobile companies, and another government stimulus package worth more than $800 billion. It was caused by the subprime mortgage crisis where the U.S. foreclosure rate jumped 79% in 2007. It crashed the U.S. housing market and sunk home prices. It also spurred on a banking crisis as numerous financial institutions that had taken on high-risk mortgage-backed securities saw those portfolios wiped out as borrowers defaulted on their loans. Huge financial institutions such as Bear Stearns, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Lehman Brothers all collapsed as a result of the crisis in 2008, 
leading to a stock market crash that saw the major indexes lose more than half of their value. I lived through that one and it was horrible. Many people lost everything. A lot of them have never recovered. The numbers that we are looking at from COVID-19 are even worse. I started growing food in a big way before that recession, during the dot-com recession, March of 2001. The dot-com bubble burst in 2000, when an overinflated NASDAQ lost more than 75% of its value and wiped out a generation of tech investors. Those losses left the stock market in a vulnerable place that got worse in the fall of 2001, when the devastation of the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks and a series of major accounting scandals of corporations like Enron and Swiss Air spurred a stock market crash. The S&P 500 also lost 43% of its value between 2000 and 2002, and the NASDAQ did not return to its 2002 peak until 2015. That recession was just eight months long, and the GDP only dipped 0.6%, and unemployment was at 5.5%. So what I'm telling you is that what we are looking at right now is four times the dot-com bubble and twice the Great Recession. I don't think that the recession that is coming is going to be an easy one to navigate through. I think that everyone is going to need to hunker down and quit all wasteful spending, save as much money as possible, be able to protect their personal property and home, protect, and they're going to need a continuous source of food and water as the recession bottoms out and then hopefully starts to climb. We're all going to be in a hole. Travel is out. I was just in Oregon on the farm. I stay at a hotel nearby, and on one of the days, I was the only person there besides the desk guy. They were practically giving the room away and were asking me if I was coming back soon. They were desperate for business. So what does that financial example say to you? The hotel is losing money hand over fist. The employees of the hotel are mostly out of work. The cleaning staff is down 95%. The desk staff is down 70%. The restaurant has closed and the bookings are down over 80%. The Starbucks next door is down 80%. I asked them. None of the restaurants in Clackamas County were open for seating anywhere. Masks were mandatory for all grocery shopping, and many businesses were still closed, even though Oregon was supposed to be open for business. What does that mean to the farming industry around where our farm is located? It means that a packing house for vegetables is closed. Many dairies are producing as as much as 20 to 40% less milk than before the coronavirus. Many of the farms near us have nowhere to sell their spring crops other than the farmer's market and to their distributors who need about 50 to 60% less of those crops because their business is down that much. Who does this affect? Everyone. Everyone. Our farm is one of the only ones in the region that is at full capacity. The dairy that we partner with is diversified enough not to have lost sales or production. They're lucky. But every other farm, they're also smart. Every other farm near us isn't buying seed, feed, 
fertilizer, diesel, equipment, and more importantly, have had to lay off much of their staff. Some of these farms will not make it, and many will never have a job to go back to. So when people burn down restaurants and markets and businesses that are just barely open, if open at all, then the hole deepens, the hole widens, and the ability of these farms, industries, and small businesses to climb out of the hole becomes harder and harder. It reminds me of Bob Marley, harder and harder. The struggle is real. Now other people are in a struggle. When the anger settles and the good people who were swayed the wrong way and look at their communities after the politicos and the instigators are gone, they are going to be saddened by their actions and by the people that they know or they shop at who have lost everything because they will feel the sting of loss, the pain of loss, and they will never unless they atone for their idiocy and try to help rebuild, these places will simply become a casualty of instigators and people with a far bigger agenda than just justice for a man who was wrongly killed. In an article from the National Bureau of Economic Research titled, How the 1960s Riots Hurt African Americans, Any American of a certain age remembers the race-related riots that tore through the U.S. and numerous cities in the 1960s. Between 1964 and 1971, civil disturbances, as many as 700 of them by one count, resulted in large numbers of injuries, deaths, and arrests, as well as considerable property damage concentrated in predominantly black areas. Although the United States has experienced race-related civil disturbances throughout its history, the 1960s events were unprecedented in their frequency and scope. Law enforcement authorities took extraordinary measures to end the riots, sometimes including the mobilization of National Guard units. Sound familiar? The most deadly riots were in Detroit, 1967, Los Angeles, 1965, I was there also for 1992, and Newark, 1967. Measuring riot severity by also including arrest, injuries, and arson adds Washington, 1968, to the list, particularly following the death of Martin Luther King in April 1968 on my birthday. The riots signaled the end of the carefully orchestrated nonviolent demonstrations of the early civil rights movement. Social scientists have studied the causes of the riots for a long time. Now, two of the National Bureau's writers, William Collins and Robert Margot, have looked at the economic impact of the riots on African Americans and on the cities where they took place. In the first paper called The Labor Market Effects of the 1960s Riots, that paper states that they found the riots had economically significant negative effects on blacks' income and employment. Further, those effects may have been larger in the long run from 1960 to 1980 than in the short run, 1960 to 1970. The riots significantly depressed the median value of black-owned property between 1960 and 1970 with little or no rebound in the 1970s. The exact mechanisms through which the riots affected economic activity over a long period of time 
are that property risks seems higher in central city neighborhoods than before the riots, causing insurance premiums to rise, taxes for income redistribution, where more police and fire protection might increase, and municipal bonds may be more difficult to place. Retail outlets might close businesses and employment opportunities might relocate. Middle and higher income households might move away. Burned out buildings might be an eyesore, and so on. These damaging aspects of riots, the authors found, apparently outweighed outside assistance directed toward the riot areas in the wake of the disturbances. I was in Detroit last year, 2019. That city has still not recovered from the riots. I visited several urban farms built on burnt-out properties that were growing food for the few neighbors who lived in the neighborhood and for restaurants and farmers' markets. I went there to offer help with creating healthy soil and true organic protocols for the urban farmers who were struggling to grow clean, safe, true organic, nutrient-dense food. This is what I'm going to talk about in part three of today's show. We all need to grow food. We are now in an economic war that will not be so kind to those who cannot fend for themselves. So my tip to you, don't get caught out in the cold. Hey there, Recession Gardeners. The team at Malibu Compost has you covered. Their hometown of Berkeley and the cities in the East Bay have been under siege, but they're open and at the ready to ship out the Malibu Compost Raised Bed Food Garden Package to you. Just hop on to the Malibu Compost website, www.malibucompost.com, and order. While you're there, go to the bottom of the homepage and check out the steps for growing healthy food. To learn how to keep your garden healthy and thriving season after season. So, 
who is going to house you, give you a job, feed you? Seattle, Los Angeles, Santa Monica, Minneapolis, Portland, Austin, Chicago, Sacramento, Atlanta, New York, Louisville, Cleveland, Detroit, Oakland, D.C., Charleston, Denver, Dublin, Ireland. Who? It's a good question. These are the cities where peaceful, in quotes, protests erupted into violent clashes, looting, arson, and murder. Yes, murder. A federal policeman was murdered in Oakland. And a protester, in quotes, was shot by another protester, in quotes, in Detroit. Someone was killed in Louisville after someone shot at the police at a market nearby a protest, in quotes, and the police and National Guard returned fire, killing a man. Disgusting. Despicable. Appalling. Are you happy the three other people are dead? Hundreds of businesses destroyed, more jobs taken away because of your actions, more death. You, the looters, instigators, rioters, and any peaceful protester who joined in have blood on your hands. You caused three deaths. The cops caused one. Is that enough? To me, it is way beyond any sick form of justice that probably any of you in your right minds may have imagined. So you got blood. More innocent people have died, and you've destroyed people's lives. I've heard protesters, in quotes again, say, these businesses have insurance, they'll be fine, they'll be back in business, don't be so sure. From a piece in the LA Times today, Sean Watherspoon spent Saturday night in his Los Angeles home watching live as his businesses were destroyed. He watched as security camera feeds showed people shattering the plate glass windows of his round two store on Melrose and walking out with more than $250,000 worth of high-end streetwear. He saw the make-off with about as much inventory from his vintage store next door. He watched as the round two location on the other side of the country in Richmond, Virginia, was hollowed out by fire. I've been robbed before, but nothing like this, Watherspoon said. In the days since, national, change and lo- national chains and local businesses have been burglarized, including some in downtown Los Angeles, the Fairfax District, Beverly Hills, and Santa Monica's beachfront commercial zone. Many businesses were already struggling with slashed revenue and dismal earning prospects under the continuing COVID-19 pandemic. But how and whether they bounce back from shattered windows, stolen merchandise, and burned out buildings hinges on one factor, their insurance policies. And Weatherspoon spent his Sunday assessing his losses to his stores. He admitted that he wasn't exactly sure whether his policy would protect him from these kinds of damages. We are insured, he said, but I don't know what we are covered for, and I don't know whether we are covered for losses in a civil disturbance. We may not know for a week or so. Can you imagine being that guy and sitting at home, unable to do anything, and watching your business and a business that employs people in your neighborhood destroyed? 
What does that have to do with anything? So what I say to do when you really don't know what to expect next, did you expect COVID as you were toasting this past New Year's Eve? Did you expect to be put in lockdown for months by your state's governor? Did you expect widespread riots and looting to occur nationwide because of the act of one idiot? So what's next? Martial law, more lockdowns, food shortages, a depression? What I'm going to do is what I've done since 2000. I'm growing food. Clean, safe, healthy, non-GMO, organic food that is loaded with nutrients, full of good biology, and is grown with the positive, caring, and loving intention that God intended. It's nature. It's what we've been given. We vermicompost and compost leaf mold that we allow to drop and cover our garden. We save water. We do the things that we can do on our land, our urban farm, to keep us in food and keep our environment safe and keep clarity and peace on our land. Are you growing food? If you are, awesome. If you're not, it's not too late. There are crops that grow fast. You're at the beginning of one of the worst recessions that any of us have ever faced. It's time to either up your game on your existing garden or to start that recession garden now, today. Pull yourself away from the TV and the idiots that are spewing spin and pushing the barrage of violence and hatred at you. Are you a hate-filled person? I'm not. I don't know many people that are hate-filled who want to destroy people's lives, who only wish ill will on other human beings. Don't let these morons incite you to violence in your heart or your mind or worse, your soul. Grow food. Do something. Here are some of the things that you could start today and in no time have food on your table. Start your favorite seeds in containers or speed trays and within a few weeks, you'll be able to put the starts in the ground or you can direct sow in your beds throughout the rest of the spring and summer. Here's 10 things that you can harvest quickly and effectively. And then add the other things that you love. Lettuce in as little as 30 to 60 days. Arugula, 30 days. Spinach, 6 weeks. Radishes, 22 to 50 days. Baby carrots, 30 days. Cucumbers, 50 days. Beets, 50 days. Bush beans, 50 days. Squash, 40 days. Snow peas, 60 days. That's a lot of food, you guys. And then augment with other things you like fruits, and other vegetables. All of these things can also be jump-started if you have a source for organic starts. We do that sometimes to add to the things that we're starting. We always recommend that you shake off as much of the soil as you can from any store-bought organic start while still keeping those tender root balls intact. This way, when you plant them into the ground, you are putting them in clean, safe, true organic soil that will help your starts grow clean, safe, true organic plants. That leads me to the soil. Whether you are growing in ground or in raised beds, the soil is the key to your gardening. It is the one area that people have been trained to skimp on when it comes to growing and creating a garden because 90% of the people who work at nurseries don't know much about true organics and not much about soil at all. And 99.9% of the experts, in quotes, 
out there teaching gardening, even organic gardening, know nothing about true organics and even less about soil. There's usually one person at every independent nursery who knows the truth or has a little bit of a clue. Hopefully you can find them. I teach a lot of people who work at nurseries that most of the stuff they're selling is faux organic. Don't buy faux organic products from imposters. They will need a lot more fertilizer and will take away a lot of energy from the soil of your recession garden. Remember, the recession garden is a long-term play. You are going to be growing food for the long haul, maybe forever, hopefully forever. This isn't just a cutesy little experiment that some lame magazine or phony baloney YouTube channel or Facebook group got you into because you needed something to do to break the boredom of quarantine. No, this is the real deal. It will help you get through the recession, but it will also help you build gut health and improve your immune system to fight off things that might come our way come your way if you have good biology getting into your body from the soil. The recession garden is not a game. It's a game changer. If you want to know what's real and what's not real, how to spot faux organic and what to buy or not buy, go back through the episodes of the Healthy Garden Podcast. The answers are there. No bone meal, Blood meal, feather meal, cottonseed meal, human waste, chicken manure, hydrolyzed chicken, steer manure, municipal green waste, or green waste compost ever, ever, ever in a true organic garden. Only clean, safe, healthy inputs. Our previous episodes will help you decipher the truth. Grow healthy food. Protect your home. Store water. Don't expect the police or the government to protect you. You're seeing that truth unfold right now. We are in for some rocky times. Speak up. Tell people the truth. You can have compassion and empathy and a voice to fight injustice, so long as you do not cause harm to others. Call a lie a lie. Don't call looters and instigators and arsonists protesters. They're criminals. Don't expect a broken system of food and agriculture to bring you health and well-being. The recession is here. The U-shaped recovery is going to be long and slow. We've got to fight the fights worth fighting, like growing clean, healthy, true organic food from recession gardening. That concludes this episode of the Healthy Garden Podcast. Please post your questions on the Healthy Garden Podcast pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us next week to learn more about how you can free yourself from the chemical and synthetic trap that's been set to keep you from growing a true, organic, and healthy garden. Until then, happy and healthy gardening.